0: The next film in my list is Suspense, from 1913. It's another multi-director film, with the husband and wife team of Phillips Smalley and Lois Weber helming the production. Weber also wrote and starred in the film, which has elements that remind me of The Lonedale Operator, namely, the way both films present actions that are happening at the same time. Smalley and Weber use a split screen to show simultaneous action, the first time I've seen that technique employed in a film, although I'm not certain it's the first time anyone used it. In this case, they divide the screen into three sections, so we can see a wife at home, on the phone with her husband, another section we see the husband at work, and in the third section we see a tramp lurking about outside the house. I'm already seeing this recurring theme in the 19-teens of The Tramp as the scary figure. Story-wise, I almost summed the entire film up already. It opens with a maid quitting her job spontaneously. She's bored living out in the country, so she writes a note and leaves without even telling anyone of her decision. She leaves the key to the house under the doormat and takes off which leaves the mother of the house alone with a newborn baby. A tramp, again the go-to villain in this era, sees the maid leave and begins casing the house. The mother sees him, he sees her, and he gets this gleam in his eye like, I'm going to come get you, and he starts trying to break into the house. She runs to the phone, calls her husband at work, Help, help, a tramp. The husband races outside and steals a car and speeds home to save her. The owner of the car is right there. He sees this happen, so he flags down a policeman and they give chase. Meanwhile, back at the house, the tramp has found the key under the mat and he's now inside the house. He's not in a hurry. He's poking around the house. He goes in the kitchen. He has a sandwich He's just king of the castle. He's not even worried yet about terrorizing the mother and child. But eventually he does head upstairs, which is where the mother and the baby have boarded themselves into the bedroom. The film now shifts, and we see the husband speeding home, chased by the police. And he accidentally runs into a hobo walking down the street. But the hobo seems okay. I guess cars didn't go as fast because he kind of just bounces off the front of the car. Maybe cars didn't weigh as much. The husband speeds on. He eventually gets home. The police are still in hot pursuit. And that entire car chase scene is really good for its era, or honestly, even for today. We get a great shot of the police car seen through the rearview mirror of the husband's car. And there's this also great kind of side-by-side as they're jockeying for position, and it's just, it's a really well shot car chase. The husband eventually arrives just in time to save his wife and child. The policeman and the car's owner are just a step behind, and when they realize what the situation is, they forgive the husband for stealing the car. The tramp is arrested, and everything's good. Happy ending. Despite that somewhat stunning, at least for the day, special effect of the car chase The most noteworthy aspect of this film is that it might be one of Lon Chaney's earliest roles. It's unconfirmed, but it's believed by some that he plays the hobo who's hit by the car. I put a picture of that frame from the film in the written version of this podcast. You can decide for yourself. Me, I'm unconvinced. It does look a little bit like him, but if there's controversy, who's to say? Not me. I I have no definitive answer. Everyone associated with the making of this film is long dead, so there's no one to ask who might have a definitive answer. The best I could do was to turn to a film historian. There's Lon Chaney expert John C. Marsalis who also composes scores to a lot of these old silent films. He used to think it was Chaney, but now he doesn't. And I'll side with him. He's the Lon Chaney expert, so I'll take his word for it. Though I'd like to believe it is Chaney for purely sentimental reasons. Either way, it's fun to know that the man of a thousand faces may have mystified us with one of his very first cinematic faces. I don't own a copy of this film. I had to watch it on YouTube. You can do so too. I put a link down in the post. Next, I'm going to watch The Gusher from 1913 which is directed by Mac Sennett.